Greetings and a warm welcome to You Shall Receive Power. I'm Etienne McClintock, and with me in the studio is my co-host Colin Hone, who is the International Director and Speaker for Holy Spirit Ministries, and also the North New South Wales Conference Prayer Director. Now, our current series of programs features the book 50 Days Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Rain and Christ's Return by Pastor Dennis Smith. And as we start this program, please join us as we pray. Father in heaven, it's such a privilege this morning just to open your word and to study regarding the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and also the importance of receiving this baptism and who receives the the latter rain. Father, we pray that we would, as we open our hearts and minds to you, be impressed with what we need to do, the steps we need to take to remove those things that are in the way so that the Holy Spirit can be poured out in our hearts in a rich measure. And, Father, we pray this not because we're worthy, but we pray it because of Jesus and his righteousness and in his name. Amen. You shall receive power is based on a text and a promise by Jesus found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Colin, today's lesson is about... Who receives the latter reign of the Spirit? So I'm looking forward to hearing what the Scriptures have to say in regards to this topic. Yeah, I, you know, ever since I became a seven-day Adventist 24 years ago, Etienne, you know, I've heard about the church needs the latter reign, and uh, our church supports that view. And of course the church needs the latter reign of yes. the Holy Spirit. I believe personally there is a very important truth being overlooked in the worldwide Adventist focus on praying for the latter reign. Mm. And I'm convinced it is the overlooked truth that I'm going to present today that is the key to God actually pouring out the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. So we want to unpack what the latter rain of the Holy Spirit and who receives the latter rain of the Spirit because we all want to receive the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Amen. You know, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount there says that, you know, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So I pray that you, dear listener, as you're listening today, that you are also hungering and thirsting for righteousness and therefore will be very interested in this topic of who will receive the latter rain and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's right. So we're really going to talk about who receives the latter rain today and what preparation we need to make to receive the latter rain. Hmm. Because like anything, if you don't do the preparation, you don't receive the latter rain. Yes. And so it's and, and we use the thing of early rain and latter rain and just to to uh, give our view uh, listeners understanding back in Israel God uses the illustrations of planting seeds and the early rain and growing the harvest and and the latter rain because the people understood those things because mm. they were people of agriculture and so in the just to give you what they mean the word of God is the seed or the gospel yes and the soil the good soil is our hearts mm. in Bible prophecy so so God is trying to teach us a lesson of what the early rain is and the latter rain. So what would happen is, again, just quickly for our listeners, you would, the farmer would plant the seed or the word of God or the gospel in good soil or in the hearts. Mm. It would then, the early rain would come in the season. That would produce the seed to germinate mm. or to be born again. Yes. And then the early rain would also cause the seed or the plant now to grow. First the blade and then the ear, so it keeps on growing and maturing. That's right. That's right. And so then the plant would grow, and then just before the harvest, 
And the harvest, read Revelations 14, the harvest represents when Jesus sends his angels at the second coming mm. to raise those who are dead in Christ first and those who are alive when Christ comes, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. That's right. Then those who are alive, and who are remain, still alive when Jesus that's right. comes, will raise up together and go back to heaven with Jesus. Mm. So he sends well, the angels. That will be. Yeah, so yeah. the early, early rain prepares the plant to grow, and then when it grows to maturity, the latter rain, the latter rain comes, well, brings, brings the plant to maturity yes. and prepares it for the harvest. That's right, yeah. So there no harvest takes place until the, the fruit, the grain, whatever it is that's being harvested is ripe. It's got to grow. So the latter rain actually ripens the harvest, gives that last but a growth and matures the harvest. And the, and the rain represents the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that grows us into the likeness of mm. Jesus. That's the whole purpose of it, of, of the gospel, is to grow us into the likeness of Jesus. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, yes. As we behold Jesus, remember, we are transformed into the image of Jesus. Yeah, the same image, that's right. By glory, from glory to glory, mm. into his character, because God's glory is his character. Mm-hmm. So this is a process, a transformational process, process. Now, towards the end, near, when the harvest is coming, the second coming of Jesus, and we believe, according to Bible prophecy, that Jesus is returning, imminent return. Yes. All the signs tell us that it's very, very close. It's near. That's so right. now is the time to prepare for that latter rain of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to re- mm. talk about who receives the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Well, look, just as a text to kick it off there, uh, while you were talking, it reminded me of Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, where it says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. So as the rain comes, it actually brings the righteousness of Christ into the lives of the people, and they start growing, they put away sins and the things that separate them from the Lord and of course the latter rain comes with even greater power just to mature them for the harvest so I love what you said there the fruit of the spirit now we look in the Bible in Galatians 5.22 and it says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace patience, goodness, temperance long suffering but also in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 9 it also tells us that the fruit of the spirit is goodness, godliness and righteousness so we receive Christ's righteousness as a fruit or it's imparted from Jesus. My great concern is as many people, though, in the church are waiting for the latter rain and they're just going to wait for the latter rain and believe that will take care of everything. And that's a great concern. And this can be a very dangerous attitude. I personally believe that this is a major reason the latter rain has not fallen and Christ has not returned. And the issues related to the latter rain are various contexts is what we've been discussing and I want to talk about what the Bible and also the spirit of prophecy uh, we believe that Ellen White was given the gift of prophecy she, she uh, back in 1844 mm. and that uh, she had the gift of prophecy so we're going to we're going to talk about the Bible says and we're going to talk a little bit about what Ellen White says about the latter rain of the Holy Spirit I personally believe that this subject is absolutely essential to understand since it appears that so many Adventists and other Christians are confused about the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. Mm. But we just said from agriculture, you need to grow in the early rain. That's right. And the Holy Spirit transforms us into the image of Christ. And remember in John 14, 12, it says that we'll be doing the same things as Jesus. Yes. 
So therefore, we will be keeping the commandments as Jesus kept the commandments. We'll have the faith of Jesus as Jesus had the faith. Be, the law, God's law, will be written on our mind and hearts. And so mm. we're going to talk about that today. And as you said, in Joel prophesied there, in, uh, there would come a time that God's people would call the early or former reign of the Spirit and the latter reign of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Remember we talked about our last program. He stated this, that these would take place from the appearance of the I Am, who is Jesus Christ in Israel, and that God would pour out on all flesh, meaning all believers would soon be able to experience the Spirit in this manner. Mm. Now, we also see that Peter quoted this prophecy in Acts chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. Peter quoted this prophecy, and I'd just like you to read Acts chapter 2, verse 16 to 18. Okay, and it says, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servant and on my maid servant, I will pour out in those days my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. What a wonderful promise. Mm. And so this promise, or this prophecy, was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Exactly as Joel had said, when the I Am would appear, Jesus appeared, and Jesus promised to the apostles and the disciples in John chapter 14 that he would send another comforter and that he would teach you all things. Mm. That he, Jesus himself would come and live in us through the Holy Spirit. And not only Jesus, but the Father as, as well. Therefore, the first fulfillment of Joel's prophecy about the Holy Spirit took place on the day of Pentecost. When those in the upper room experienced the early rain baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what happened as a result of that, Etienne, is that the gospel went to the then known world. Mm. So one of the major purposes of the early rain is one, to transform us into the character of Jesus or the image of God yes. as we grow in the likeness of Jesus and have the fruits of the Spirit mm. of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, and righteousness in Ephesians 5.9 and godliness. But the other purpose is to give us power to preach and teach the gospel or the good news of what God has done in sending his son Jesus Christ to live a perfect life for us a perfect righteous life mm. for us, die on the cross, pay the penalty for us, for our sins, so that we can be given an opportunity to live forever with Jesus in heaven. Look, that power, I believe, is essential to the proclamation of the gospel. Without that power, all we are are mere philosophers, really. It's actually the Holy Spirit that convicts and draws people. It reminds me of that text in Romans chapter 3. It says that there's no one righteous, no, not one. There's no one under who understands and there's no one who seeks after God. So God, through his spirit, needs to draw us. He needs to impress our minds and help us understand spiritual things because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And we are born natural, not spiritual. When Adam and Eve sinned that day, you know, they lost that robe of righteousness they had with them. They died spiritually that very instant. And what happened is they've passed on only what they had, which is physical life. But not, nature. But, but not spiritual life. That's right. So we need the Holy Spirit to impress on our hearts and our minds and to help us understand spiritual things because they're foolishness to us unless the Holy Spirit actually imparts knowledge and understanding to us. That's why Jesus said you must be born again of water. That's right. And the Spirit as well. That's right. And that's so that we can enter the kingdom of God. Now, it's interesting. You're quoting from John chapter 3, verse 5 there. 
John chapter 3 verse 3 The first thing that Jesus actually says to Nicodemus is says if you want to see the kingdom of God You have to be born from above And then of course he elaborates what he means by that two verses later Saying water and the spirit birth That's right Amen. That's right. And so what happened as the result of the gospel Went to the known world Well devils were cast out The sick were healed And even dead were raised mm. And that early church did the works of Jesus did and the reason they did the works of Jesus is because Jesus was living and ministering through them via the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus was beside them, they were very close and intimately acquainted with Jesus. But just imagine Jesus living inside of them. That's a more close and more intimate relationship. And that's why Jesus said to them, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yeah. And just think that, that that gift of Jesus Christ in the disciples is the same promise available to us if we receive it by faith, receive the gospel, and we can have the same spirit and power working in and through our lives. And the disciples recognized that in Jesus' life. In Luke chapter 11, mm. the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. Yes. And then Jesus gives a parable about you know, getting this bread for his neighbor who was coming to visit him, or his friend who was coming to visit from his neighbor. And then he talks, unpacks it and says, the reason that you ask for the Holy Spirit is to impart grace or the bread, the word of God to your neighbor. Mm. And then he says, talks about, this is what I've got. It's the Holy Spirit. Yes. You read the end of that chapter. He says that the Father wants to give us the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus was able to do the things he did mm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus said in John fourteen twelve that we too will be able to do the same works as Jesus if we receive the same power. Yeah. Right, and have Jesus living in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, that's how they did the early works, the same works of Jesus, because Jesus was living in them. That's why Paul said, it's not I that live. But Christ that lives in me. That's Christ right. that lives in me. And so, so, but Joel's prophecy foretold two outpourings of the Holy Spirit, the early rain and the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. Now, the latter rain of the Holy Spirit will take place as the work of God comes to a glorious climax in this earth. Now, it's got to be necessary for God's people to receive it in its fullness if they're to be faithful to God through what we call the time of trouble and ready for Christ's second coming. Maybe you could just mm. unpack what the time of trouble is. Yes, yeah. Well, the time of trouble is a, what they call a little time of trouble, and then there's a great time of trouble. A little time of trouble is as the message of God, of his righteousness, and the second of coming of Christ swells in the world. Under the power of the Holy Spirit There will be opposition against it Some people will not want to receive this message of peace This message of peace with God and our fellow man They will rise up against it Because they will not submit to the leading of the Spirit And then what happens is As it grows and swells When everyone's made a decision Then what will happen is There will be what they call a close of probation Where every case is decided And we read that in uh, the second, 22nd chapter of um, Revelation Revelation, That's right Where it says that he who is filthy Let him be filthy still And he who is holy Let him be holy still And so forth Then there is a big time of trouble But this time of trouble Actually includes the outpouring of the plagues The seven last plagues The seven last plagues That's right And while this is taking place God's people are shielded However, they still have an internal struggle Wondering if there were any sins They had not confessed yet before the Lord and what happened is all their sins had gone before them into judgment and they'd been blotted out by Christ. And what's going to bring in this time of trouble, as you said, it'll be an issue over worship. That's right. And, and you can read that about in Revelation chapter 13 where it talks mm. about these two beast powers. Uh, one beast power, religious political power, and then another power who will unite together to form the image of the beast. And it mm-hmm. says that you won't be able to buy or sell uh, if you don't receive the mark of the beast. That's right, yes. Uh, in other words... 
and you eventually there'll be a death decree that goes out that says if you don't get on board, you, the decree will go out that you'll be put to death. Mm. And so this leads to what's called the time of trouble. That's right. But also there's a great promise, isn't there, in Daniel 12, where it says that Michael, our great prince, stands up. At that time, Michael will stand up, yes. And he will rescue God's people, Mm. and they're shielded from the seven last plagues. They are, that's right. Yes. It's only the wicked who receive the mark of the beast that actually Mm. receive the seven last plagues. So you don't want to receive the last seven plagues. You want to receive the seal of God. And uh, and part of that is the latter rain prepares God's people to go through that time. Now, what we want to know is what is the experience necessary to benefit from the latter rain? Because obviously it's absolute necessity, necessity of God's last remnant people to experience the latter rain of the Spirit. Mm. And, and I believe that Satan is working really hard at confusing the issue. He's really working hard to confuse this issue. Because you have a think about it, Eddie, and we know when the latter rain is poured out, mm. that sort of seals the deal. It's all over. Yeah, that's right. You know, the, it says the three angels' messages in Revelations 18, verse 1, where God's glory lights up the earth, and mm. the three angels' messages in Revelations 14 are repeated with greater power. Yes. And then the end comes. Mm. So if you were Satan, you wouldn't want the end to come. Mm. So what would be your mission? Would be confuse about the early and latter rain. Let's have a lot of confusion about it. And I believe that's what he's done. He's confused God's people about the early rain and latter rain. Mm. Because if we receive the latter rain, guess what? It's all over. Yeah, that's right. His reign is over. Yeah. Jesus returns. You know, the message is given. Jesus returns. We go back to heaven for a thousand years, according to the Bible and Revelation. Mm. And Satan's reign is over. Yes. So, so if you were Satan, wouldn't your strategy to be to stop the latter rain coming? Confuse it, stop people from getting it, distract people. Absolutely. That, that would be the strategy. You, you, the last thing you'd want is for God's people to have power and give power to the message. And to receive yeah. the latter rain. So and, how would yeah. you go about it? Like, Let's just think military. How would you go about stopping God's people receiving the latter rain? Because we just talked about in agriculture, what do they need to do first to receive the latter rain? They need to grow in the what? Former rain. In the former rain. Yeah. So let's confuse the former rain. Now, we've yeah. looked at the Bible, and the former rain is about character transformation to the likeness of Jesus, mm. having the fruits of the Spirit. So what he's done is he's taken our focus, I believe, from trying to become like Jesus, having Jesus living in us and having the fruits of the Spirit, by having us focus on the gifts of the Spirit. Because the Bible says that Satan can counterfeit the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm. He can work miracles. Is yes. a miracle one of the gifts of the Spirit? He can um, have false prophecy. He can have false teachers in God's word. He can even have false tongues. So he's counterfeit the gifts of the Holy Spirit and have us focus, Christians focus on that mm. so they don't receive the true baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in the hope of glory. That's right. And have the fruits of the Spirit. So that, so, and then he gets people, God's people afraid of the early rain and the baptism of the Holy Spirit because of the false gifts of the Spirit, yes. and they don't want to have anything to do with it. So guess what? They don't grow in the early rain. Guess what? We don't receive the latter rain. The, correct, yes. So what happens is it actually brings a, a bit of a reproach on, on the message and even the gospel and receiving the Holy Spirit because it's a counterfeit. And when a, a, a sincere person looks at it and they see some of the manifestations that go under the so-called Holy Spirit, some people are turned off. 
And they think, well, I don't want anything to do with that. But that is not the real spirit. That's not the, the true baptism of the Holy Spirit because the focus he's saying is on the manifestations and the, and the, the, the gifts, gifts of the Spirit, yeah. And not the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, and righteousness, basically. Yeah, it's mm. all the fruits that come from Jesus. Mm. And sure, these, God does give us gifts, and those gifts will follow us. But That's as you right. said, and, and he can't counterfeit the fruit of the Spirit. And that's why we need to focus on Christ in us, the hope of glory, right, yeah. which we then have the fruit of the Spirit by having Christ living mm, in us. In us yes. So obviously it's necessary for God's last remnant people to receive the latter rain of the Spirit. So he knows that they must grow in the fullness of Christ under the early rain, baptism of the Holy Spirit, in order to benefit the latter rain of the Spirit. Yes. And so I want to unpack now and say exactly what does the Bible and the Spirit of prophecy through uh, the writings of Ellen White say about being prepared for the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, I believe Peter understood this. Yes. Peter understood this experience in Christ that it was necessary for Christians to benefit from the latter rain. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, Peter talks about a time, all right, when the times of refreshing would come, all right, uh, in the future. See, they understood Peter and the early disciples, they understood the prophecies of Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. Yes. They understood the only time in the Old Testament where the Messiah was used was in Daniel chapter um, 8 and 9 in the 70 weeks prophecy and the 2300 uh, year prophecy. Yes. Which fulfilled in 1844. And Peter now is preaching about a future event in Acts chapter 3 verse 19. What's it say? Okay. Verse 19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Then verse 20 says that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. So the times of refreshing is referred to as the latter reign of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And at this time it also talks about our sins being blotted out. But it does, yes. But our blotted time when the times are refreshing. So what does that mean, our sins being blotted out? I mean, where are our sins, Etienne? Uh, is it was what's Jesus doing uh, right now? Uh, yes. Well, look, we know that everything we do and we say is recorded. And what happens is when we confess our sins, beside that sin, confession is written, pardon is written because of the blood and the merits of Jesus Amen. Christ. So what happens is as we confess our sins, pardon is written. And then what Christ does, he finally, in cleansing the sanctuary, as we read in Daniel chapter 8, verse 14, he actually takes those sins and blots them all out. Matter of fact, I believe it even pertains to the mind. He purifies the mind. We are transformed by the renewing of is that the like, mind. So blotting means removing? Removing, absolutely, removing. yeah. Removing, okay. Because that, so our sins are where? Are they in, in the, where are our sins now? When we repent of our sins, yeah. the record of them goes where? Well, the, the record of the sins at the moment is in heaven. In the heavenly sanctuary. In the heavenly sanctuary, that's right. But when those sins are then finally removed, they're actually, if you look at the Day of Atonement, there's two goats. There's the, the Lord's chapter goat. chapter 16 you're talking that's about. That's right, yes. yes. There's the Lord's goat and there's a scapegoat. Finally, those sins are removed and they put on the scapegoat. Now, the scapegoat is not killed. He's actually led out by a fit man yes. into the wilderness and then in isolation. He actually finally dies there. Okay. So this is what we believe that God wants to do. But for that to happen, we need the refreshing of the presence of the Lord. Now, if we pay attention there, verse 20 says that he may send Jesus Christ. Now, the sending of Jesus Christ is actually the second coming. Yes. And so what this happens just before the second coming. And if we read verse 21, if I can just add that to it, it says, yes. um, I'll read verse 20 and then verse 21, that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom the heavens must receive 
until the time of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouths of all his holy prophets since the world began. So this is the culmination of everything that the prophets have spoken about. Now, if you read the, the, the minor prophets, you read the major prophets you know, in, in the Old Testament, all of them focus on the second coming of Christ. All of them have a message about the coming of Christ. Some of them talk about the first coming and, and also the second coming. But before Christ comes, repentance needs to take place in this world. We need to be converted. Our sins need to be blotted out. We need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the former reign and the latter reign. And when that takes place, then Christ will come. Because what happens is Christ, Christ's coming is likened to the harvest. You just spoke about the harvest before. Second coming. Yeah, the, that's right. And Jesus says that the harvest is the end of the world. So it's the second coming. And that cannot take place until these preceding events take place, which is repentance, uh, conversion, blotting out of sins and times of refreshing. So what happens is daily our sins are going into the sanctuary, but at, the, yeah. at what's called in the yearly Day of Atonement yeah. is that Jesus, uh, representing as our high priest, mm. you read that in Hebrews, he went into the heavenly sanctuary, and according to the, the Bible, that happened in October 22nd, 1844, That's when right, Jesus yes. entered his most holy place mm. to finish his work of cleansing the sanctuary. So he's, he's done the part on where he's died as the lamb, mm. and now he's doing it as our high priest, who is interceding for us, and then we'll be blotting out our sins, removing from the sanctuary the record of them. That's right. When we come back, we'll continue part two of Who Receives the Latter Reign of the Spirit. The Word in Action, Luke twenty-two forty-two. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I want my own way, and I want Jesus to answer my prayers my way. Yet the Word says something different. If we believe that God has our best eternal interest at heart, we must learn to submit to His will. Try praying that same prayer as Jesus. You will be amazed how He works in your life. Welcome back. You are with You Shall Receive Power. And I'm your host, Etienne McClintock. And with me in the studio is Colin Hone. And we are discussing the topic, Who Receives the Latter Rain of the Spirit? Colin, we've had some interesting discussions already before just in regards to the process and the sequence of events that leads up to the second coming of Jesus and how the former reign prepares us to receive the latter reign and that the latter reign will not do for us what the former reign is supposed to do for us. So the one precedes the other. And if we were just waiting for the outpouring of the latter reign, we will not be able to receive it. Unless we're prepared. Unless we are prepared. That's and grow right. grow in the former reign. Amen. Into the likeness of Jesus. Mm. And the latter reign is poured out in those people. The Bible also, uh, in Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the last days, what it will be like. He gives three parables. Yes. He's just given all the prophetic events that will happen in the last days. And then he says this is what it will be like in the church. Mm. He talks about the wise and foolish virgins. He does. And, and they're both waiting for Jesus, the second coming. So they're obviously both Christians. They both... Uh, were virgins, a pure church, and they both had a little bit of oil, but the wise virgins had more oil. That's right. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit that transformed them into the image of Jesus, where the foolish virgins didn't have enough oil. And Jesus says they were lost. He says, Mm -hmm. I don't know you. So this is really important that we grow into the likeness of Jesus through the early reign. And the great thing is God will do the transforming through the Holy Spirit as Mm. we daily surrender. Then we just looked a bit where Peter talks about uh, this refreshing, the latter rain, and our sins being blotted out at the same time, which we call the close of probation, where Christ will blot out our sins Mm. as our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. 
And the times of refreshing Peter referred to as the latter reign of the Spirit. And basically it's saying that those who have committed their life 100% to Jesus and have experienced Christ as their deliverer from sin are the ones who will benefit from the latter reign. And I love what Ellen White clarified what true conversion is by contrasting it with the characteristics of an unconverted Christian. Okay. So she talks about Christians being unconverted. This mm. sounds really like a paradox, doesn't it? It does. Christians who are, who are unconverted. And she says in Christ's Object Lessons, page 99, do you have Christ's Object Lessons, page 99? I, I do have it here, and I can read it. It says, often the question arises, why then are there so many claiming to believe God's word in whom there is not seen a reformation in words, in spirit, and in character? Why are there so many who cannot bear opposition to their purposes and plans, who manifest an unholy temper, and whose words are harsh, overbearing, and passionate? There is seen in their lives the same love of self, the same selfish indulgence, and the same temper and hasty speech that is seen in the life of the worldling. There is the same sensitive pride, the same yielding to natural inclination, and same perversity of character, as if the truth were wholly unknown to them. The reason is that they are not converted. Wow. Well, that is a strong statement, very, very powerful. Very strong statement. So what Ellen White is clarifying here, what it means to be uh, what a converted Christian, and Peter referred to it in his sermon. And the only true converted Christians are those who are victorious then over anger if their plans are opposed, over an unholy temper, over harsh-bearing words, over self-love, over self-indulgence, sensitive pride that is easily wounded, and yielding to natural inclinations to sin. These are truly converted Christians who will see the latter reign of the Holy Spirit. And remember Peter also pointed out that the latter reign of the Holy Spirit will take place just before the end of judgment. Yes. When our sins are blotted out, when Christ completes his high priestly ministry or mediatory work in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. And even in the uh, NIV translation, in Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, can you just read that translation? Yeah, as well? sure. NIV says in verse, Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. So both translations of Peter's words indicate a very important sequence of events. Mm. First, in order for one's sins to be blotted out, what do we got to do? We need to repent. We need to repent (laughs) of their sins and be converted and turn to God. And Peter points out that this full and complete conversion or commitment to Jesus and victory through Jesus is necessary for the times of refreshing or the latter rain to come from the Lord. Mm. In other words, he's saying we need to repent and be converted and ask Jesus to have victory over our sins before the the latter rain and before the second coming. I've just read so much of Ellen White in the Spirit of Prophecy where she comments about her concerns that God's people aren't ready or what they must experience in order to receive and benefit from the latter rain. There's this wonderful quote in Christian Experience and Teachings of Ellen White in page 112. Could you read that for us? Sure. I saw that many were neglecting the preparation so needful and were looking for the time of refreshing and the latter rain to fit them to stand in the day of the Lord and to live in His sight. Oh, how many I saw in the time of trouble without a shelter. They had neglected the needful preparation. Therefore, they could not receive the refreshing that all must have to fit them to live in the sight of 
of a holy God. Wow. Mm. So she's saying that there's a preparation. Yes. And now's the time to prepare. Mm. You can't prepare at the crisis. No, you can't. You've got to prepare before a crisis comes in our lives. Now, that reminds me, Noah took 120 years to build the ark. Yes. If he decided he's going to be a year out before the uh, flood came to start building the ark, he wouldn't have been ready. Could have built the ark yeah. in a year. So God is warning us, look, there's a crisis coming on the earth. There's a crisis coming, and also I'm returning soon. And he says, my reward is with me. So what he wants us to do is to also prepare in the same way, to exercise our faith and to demonstrate our faith, just like Noah did in that crisis that was coming and that judgment that was coming, so that we will be ready. And how many people were saved in the days of Noah? Well, only eight. Only eight. Yeah. Only eight. In the spirit of prophecy from Ellen White, she says, I saw that none could share the refreshing, that rain, yes, unless they obtained victory over every besentment, over pride, selfishness, love of the world, and over every wrong word and action. This is a miracle of God having mm. victory over sin in our lives. I think we need to understand and experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit and righteous by faith. Yes, I agree. I believe it's essential for the Christian to enter into this mystery of union with Christ and be prepared to see the latter end of the Holy Spirit. And so what we're hearing and we're seeing here from Peter and from the Spirit of Prophecy in Ellen White that victory over every temptation and sin is to take place under the early reign baptism in the Holy Spirit. Mm. The latter reign is not going to give the victory. It's the early reign that actually gives us the victory, it's the yeah. growth. The latter rain just seals the deal. Well, there's so much power in the former rain. If we look what happened subsequent to Pentecost and how they proclaimed the message with power and our sick will re, uh, were healed, there's no reason to believe that the power of God isn't sufficient for us. His grace is sufficient for us. And, you know, that text we were reading there in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, where it talks about being, re- being converted and to repent and the sins we blotted out and the times of refreshing just before God the Father sends Jesus back to this earth. Mm. Uh, that was in verse 19 to 21 as we read there. He then starts referring to the covenant that God made with Abraham that in Abraham's seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Verse 26 then says, To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. So through the Holy Spirit, when Jesus comes and the Holy Spirit represents Christ to us, what he does as part of that process is actually to turn each of us away from our sins. It's part of the process, just as you explained there before, Colin. That's good news, isn't it? It is good, good news. news. So, 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 victory over every temptation of sin is to take place under the early reign, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And how does this happen? I believe it happens as the Christian, as Christians, we allow Christ to live out His righteous obedience in our lives. Mm. That's what Paul said, isn't it? Yes. It's not I live, that Christ lives in me. That's right, yes. That's the secret. I die daily. So as the Christian allows our Christ to live out his righteous obedience in our lives, expecting the latter rain to bring about this change in life will provide a tragic to all who fall in that deception. Mm. People are just waiting for the latter rain. Mm. So we need to ask Jesus to, through this process of growth into the likeness of Jesus as a, as a plant maturing, we need to ask him to have the victory and ask him to live out his righteous life in and us. I believe it's called... His imparted righteousness. Yes. Uh, and the Bible uses it as called sanctification as well. And again, just to, to make the point, in the book, The Faith I Live By, a wonderful book by Ellen White, on page 333, what does it say here? It says, The latter rain, ripening earth's harvest, represents the spiritual grace that prepares the church for the coming of the Son of Man. 
But unless the former rain, which is obviously the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that Pentecost experience, has fallen, there will be no life. The green blade will not spring up. Unless the early showers, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, have done their work, the latter rain can bring no seed to perfection. So again, I mean, she's saying that's the early rain mm. that brings and grows the plant. Yes. Ready for the latter rain. And she's talking about the early rain of doing its work. So she's obviously Ellen White clearly associated the former rain, according to the above quote, with the sanctification of the church. Yes, indeed. Stating without it, no seed will come to perfection. I know a lot of people get hung up about perfection, but, yeah. you know, there's perfection in God's mm-hmm. sphere and there's perfection in our sphere. That's right. Sometimes I think we get the two, you know, yeah, yeah. the two, t- two mixed up. I love what she says, Ellen White, about sanctification and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the following quote in Testimonies, Volume 6, page 86. A press upon all the necessity of the baptism of the Holy Spirit the sanctification of the church so that they will be living, growing, fruit-bearing trees of the Lord's planting. Wow. So she's relating sanctification and growing the likeness of Jesus under the early rain, baptism of the Holy Spirit, as necessary receiving the latter rain. That's How right. important is this message, Eddie? Mm. We need... We need the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's right. And we are to cooperate with God by faith because it says it's the Lord's planting. He's the one that will allow us to be living, growing, fruit-bearing trees. So the Lord's the one that plants, and the Lord's the one that also gives us that righteousness in your lives. pours it into us. Righteousness is love. It's agape love. Amen. Amen. So Ellen White clearly understood the early or former reign of the Holy Spirit, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same thing. Mm. Uh, she's, you know, said that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the latter rain of the Spirit. It is the work of the baptism of the Spirit, the early rain, that brings the church to sanctification and perfection in, in, in human sphere. Yes. The reason the early rain of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is necessary is that it's through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Christ lives in the believer. Mm. Was Christ righteous, Edian? There was no unrighteousness in him. There was no darkness in him. He was fully righteous and fully kept God's commandments. So if Christ is living in us, will he seek to keep... Obey God's commandments through us Absolutely That text there in Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord So walk you in him By what? By faith By faith yeah, That's why it's by faith I mean it seems impossible doesn't it? You well, know, When you look at our own lives Eddie It, it, it seems impossible what, what the Bible and the spirit of prophecy is saying has got to happen But So how does, how does the impossible become possible? Well the thing is if it was possible for us Why would we need faith? We just do it but because we can't do it, because we have to surrender to the Lord, we now rely on him to do what he said and promised he would do in and through us. So whose work is it? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's Christ in us, our hope of glory. So that's, that's the only hope, yeah. isn't it? So when we read these statements, it's clear that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is really important for us Amen. believers that's to right. seek it daily mm. uh, so that we can be prepared to receive the latter rain and for God's work to be finished in the lives of his people. You know, I, I always think of the early disciples, Eddie, and that, you know, before Pentecost, right, they weren't ready, were they? No, they weren't ready. They weren't ready. What power was given to them? And we read this every, every program, Acts chapter what? 1 verse 8. Yeah, you yeah. shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come yeah, upon you. Yeah, he says, yes. wait and pray for it. Mm. And so, so without that power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they couldn't go forward, could they? They couldn't, no. So do you think in the last days... God's last day church, which according to the Bible 
in Revelation chapter 12, it gives four um, indicating points that they have. One, it says that Satan makes war on the last remaining remnant church. Yes. And they keep the commandments of God. This is in Revelation 12. That's right. And they also have the testimony of Jesus. That's right. And we read in Revelation chapter 19 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of spirit prophecy. Of prophecy. So, so God's last day church keep the commandments of God, have the spirit of prophecy. Also in Revelation chapter 14, again, they're giving the three angels message to the world, the everlasting gospel. That's right, yes. They're calling the people, the world to saying judgment has begun. That's right. According to the Just the gospel in the, during the judgment hour. That's right. Yeah, according to judgment begun. And that, according to the God's word, that started in 1844. The judgment began in October 22nd, That's 1844, right. yes. after the 2300 days mm. when the sanctuary would be cleansed. Was, That's right. The, and the judgment was removing the sins of God's people on the mm. Day of Atonement. And so, so, and also it says they have the faith of Jesus. Mm. And you give that three angel message. So, do you think that God's last day church? would need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to finish the work. Absolutely. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, nothing can take place. Nothing can happen. There's a quote, I believe, in the Review and Herald, February 18, 1819, where Ellen White tells us Okay, this. so it says, What we need is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Without this, we are no more fitted to go to the world than were the disciples after the crucifixion of their Lord. So we wow. can't. So, so God's last day people can't give the three angels' message without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're doing it in our own flesh. We're not equipped. It says we're not fitted to go forth unless we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So so these statements obviously indicate that the Christian does not necessarily automatically receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit at conversion. Mm, that's right. Or, or water baptism. If that were the case, why would Ellen White tell Christians that this is the experience they need mm-hmm. if they already had it? Doesn't even make sense. Why would you even say that? That's correct. I mean, we we have examples of that even after Pentecost. You know, when uh, Acts chapter eight. The, yeah, yeah, that's right. Acts chapter eight, because you have the uh, evangelist Philip, Philip going yes. to preach to people. They are baptized. They are converted, and then when the apostles come, they have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. And it's through prayer and the laying on of hands that they received it subsequent to their conversion, and subsequent to receiving the message that the evangelist Philip had preached to them. Yeah, well, because they were converted. It says they were converted yeah, because right. they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's right. They were they baptized were, in the name of Jesus. That's in, right. In water. Mm. But the water represents for the remission of sins. Mm. Now they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit for a power to live a victorious life in Jesus yeah, and to have power to preach the message. Mm. And so I, I believe that we really got to take seriously God's call. And I believe God's calling uh, his people to receive the early rain baptism of the Holy Spirit to gain complete victory over sin through Christ. Mm, and I want to emphasize that, Eddie. Mm. You know, I've had a lot of people talk about sinless perfection and perfection, yeah. all right, as though people are going to be living off their own steam. Yes. I mean, Christ in you is yeah. the only way. That's right. Is that right? That's it's right. the Look, only way. Yeah, that's right. So who's doing it? It's God in us. The thing is, part of our whole process of conversion is actually, you know, going into the watery grave, being reconciled to the death of Christ, so denying self, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. So we go into the watery grave, and then we come out the other end. We race to newness of life. But it's a denial of self. Self is dead. And if self is taken out of the way, I'm talking in a spiritual sense. Yes. Now, the flesh is denied, and we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. So we deny ourselves and surrender right. ourselves to yeah. God and ask him to have his power hmm. to achieve what he's, right. what he's promising to do. 
That's right, yeah. So he promises to do something, didn't he? That's right. So if we walk in the Spirit and we, and we live in the Spirit, yes. then what happens is the flesh is impotent. It can't help but stay out of the way. It's dead. Now what happens is dead. That's right. What happens is now temptation will bring this, the, the flesh back. Yes. Temptation will draw the flesh up. And so what happens is it was dormant. It was asleep. It was dead. Yes. And temptation will bring out if, if we keep on following the temptation. But if we keep on walking in the spirit, surrendering to God moment by moment, yes. we are abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in us. And he's having the victory. Eddie. And, and we're having the, the victory. That's why he says, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law but you're under grace so grace the grace of god working in and through us is able to keep us we're going to come to that in a minute we're going to okay. read romans chapter six in a minute where, oh great where, where, where paul talks about the, about that and and i love what um also ellen white says in the spirit of prophecy about in testimony and ministers page 507 right unless we are daily advancing in the exemplification of the active christian virtues we shall not recognize the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain. Wow. It may be falling on hearts all around us, but we shall not discern or receive it. So there'll be many Christians in God's last day church mm. who basically have not gone on the journey of growing in the early reign of the Holy Spirit and yeah. asking Christ to have the victory over sin in their lives, who will the latter rain will be falling and they won't even see it happening. That's that's so sad. That's yeah. incredible. So there's spiritual blindness in these people, and they won't recognize the Holy Spirit falling around. It says them. yeah, they won't discern it or receive it. And mm -hmm. I and I love. We know we're going to go through a crisis, don't we? We do. We talked earlier about the close of probation when when Christ finishes His work as our High Priest, and we talked about in the time of trouble, the little time of trouble, and the seven plagues and mm. and persecution coming and. And for those who uh, who don't get on board with the beast powers of Revelation 13 right. uh, and receive the mark of the beast, mm. and, and we've talked about that, and this this uh, you know conflict that's coming upon the world. I love what Ellen White says. That if you want to be ready for what's coming upon the world, what does she say there? Nothing but the baptism of the Holy Spirit can bring up the church to its right position and prepare the people of God for the last approaching conflict. Your second manuscript releases, yes. page 30. So nothing but the baptism of the Holy Spirit can prepare the church for its right position and prepare us for the fast approaching conflict. Hmm. That's a powerful statement. I yes, it is. I, I don't think we could, she could be any clearer that no. we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and I love what Ellen White's saying in these statements above. She's saying that making it very clear it is only people who gain the victory over sins and temptations through Christ and I'll make that point sure they, and it's an important point to make they because gain people their victory over their sins and temptations through Christ they were the ones who received the latter rain of the Holy Spirit mm. and, and again and she's constantly calling God's people to obedience so neither Ellen White nor the Bible gives an excuse for God's people to live a life of willful disobedience to God that's right. And I think Paul's pretty clear in this matter. Mm. And please read Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 2, yep. 6 to 7, and 11 to 14. And what does Paul say about this? Okay. About this grace we receive from Christ, this forgiveness of sins, mm. how we to live our lives. Powerful statements here from Paul. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2. Certainly not. Or as the King James says, God forbid. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 7, for he 
who has died has been freed from sin. There it is, Eddie, isn't it? Yes. You're dead to sin. The old man is crucified. How are we that are dead live any longer in sinning? That's right. How 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 can we keep doing that and justifying and think God's going to go? Oh, that's okay. It it doesn't work that way because if we're dead in Christ, then we sin shall no longer have dominion. The good news is though is if we do mess up, Mm. that Jesus has made provision, hasn't He? Because in First John chapter one verse nine it says. If we confess our sins He's faithful to forgive our sins And to cleanse us And to cleanse us from That's right This is great news Praise God for the cleansing Because imagine if you keep on sinning and repenting Sinning and repenting And you continue in your slavery To whatever that vice may be I think that Paul was saying that in Romans 7 That people were stuck in this merry-go-round Of the things I want to do I don't do And the things I don't want to do I keep doing And he says Oh, please help me In the end he says Please help me Who's going to save me from this And in Romans chapter 8 He says, hey That's right Through Christ Amen. And through the Holy Spirit, that's, right. that's how it will work. He yes. is powerful enough and he's able if we receive it by faith. So he already had the victory, didn't he, Edian? That's right. So yeah. he just wants to give what he already had to impart mm. that to us well, as, as a gift. As Jesus says to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he says, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, why do they have to be of good cheer? Because they can claim his victory as their own as well. What a wonderful mm. promise. So really, it's his victory. That's right. And it we is can have that. Amen. Amen. It's not Keep our works of righteousness, but Christ working in and through us. Keep going. Edwin, so v- verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in its lust. Verse 13, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. In other words, dominion. It shall not rule over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Thank God for his amazing grace. So by Christ's life Mm. and by his death and resurrection, he has defeated the power of sin that has over our lives. Amen. That's the gospel, isn't it? That is the gospel. That is the gospel. You know, and I think it's so important to understand the gospel that when Christ died, we died with him. We were executed in Christ. Mm. And when Christ then went into the grave, we were there with him. He was the last Adam, the last mankind. And he took what the first Adam did. And that bad history that was written by Adam for us, he has turned that on its head. He's rewritten a new future for us. Mm. So when Christ was then raised, we read this in Ephesians chapter 2, we were raised with him and we sit by faith in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are the old man has been crucified. We've got the new man, which is made and developed according to the similitude of Jesus Christ. And by beholding him, we become changed into the same image from glory to glory. And that is the work of the former reign to prepare us to receive the latter reign, present the message with power so Christ can come. That's just awesome good news, Eddie. And again, Paul says in the book of Hebrews, uh, again, he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and oh. 2, where he, Paul's instructing the Christian to lay aside every weight, which is every sin, yes, and even their besetting sins. You know, we have some sins in us mm. that just keep coming back, don't they? Like these natural propensities we have or inherited uh, propensities we have towards doing things. And yes. Paul's saying... Uh, those sins that have most challenging to get the victory over. We all have those, don't we? Well, of course you know, we do, yeah. They had to do this by how do we do this? Now, Paul, mm. Paul's giving us the secret here. They so had to do this by looking unto Jesus, who will give them his, his victory. So this is from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Yes. Therefore, seeing 
we also are encompassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. The word our is added there, but it's actually he's the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So again, it's looking at Jesus and asking for his victory. And I, and I love what Peter even says the same thing. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, let's read what Peter says, how. Because I want to know how, Etienne. You know, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I'm not into theory. I want to know exactly how this works because yes. it's really important that, that I surrender to God and, and, and I'm, the you know, listeners out there, we want to know how this mm, works. Mm, uh, absolutely. And God says, this is how. First it Peter says, chapter 2, 21 and 22. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow any steps who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. We've got to follow Christ's steps. So how did Jesus live? By faith. In him. By faith, that's right. In Complete the surrender. In other words, what did he say in Gethsemane? Not my will, but your will, Father. Thine be done. That's right. So in these verses, Peter calls the Christian to follow Christ's example of living a life of obedience. And uh, again, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4 to 10, and we're going to finish on this verse, again, what Peter says and gives us the okay. how. And I'll read from Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, wow. having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love, or as the King James says, charity. But that's agape love. This is this growth process, isn't it? That's right, yes. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren... Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Well, so Peter's calling the Christian to escape the corruption that is in this world through lust. Mm. So, And he says the Christian is to be free from the sinful influences in their life. By how? By letting Jesus Christ live out his obedience in them. Again and again, you know. We see the Bible and the spirit of prophecy calling for victory over sin in the Christian life. Mm. And the only way is because of Christ's victory, there's no excuse for a Christian to be living a life of sin. That's Christ right. has given us the how. Mm. He's given us the pardon. He's given us the power. And, and I love what, what Ellen White says in the Southern Review, December 5, 1899. Exact obedience is required, and those who say it is not possible to live a perfect life throw upon God the imputation of injustice and untruth. And if you could read the last one out, Edian, which is from Our High Calling, page 48. Okay. The obedience of Christ to his Father was the same obedience that is required of man. Man cannot overcome Satan's temptation without divine power to combine with his instrumentality. So with Jesus Christ... He could lay hold of the divine power. He came not to our world 
to give the obedience of a lesser God to a greater, but as a man to obey God's holy law. And in this way, he's our example. The Lord Jesus came to our world not to reveal what a God could do, but what a man could do through faith in God's power to help in every emergency. Man is, through faith, to be a partaker of the divine nature and to overcome even every temptation wherewith he is beset. That's great news. God has made all these promises, and we've just got to claim them by faith. Dear listener, thank you for joining us today on You Shall Receive Power. It is, Colin, in my prayer that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you will come to a deeper appreciation and knowledge of the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, that his victory is your victory. And we look forward to catching up with you next time. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.